Hello, and welcome to the Agape Fellowship, where we read and study the Word of God verse by verse. In the last two chapters of Matthew's Gospel, we read about the genealogy, the circumstances, and the significance of the birth of Jesus Christ. In this episode, we start with chapter 3, which talks about the forerunner, or the messenger, who was to prepare the way of the Messiah. Similar to the prophecy and divine interventions in Jesus' birth, the birth of this messenger was also foretold by prophets and angels. Join us to learn more about this important person. So welcome. Um, so we are going to get started in Matthew chapter 3. Um, as we had mentioned earlier, this, this is going to be an interesting study. And uh, if you can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3, and then we'll go verse by verse as we uh, proceed in this chapter. Um, so here goes. And we, we're going to be looking at John the Baptist and his ministry. What does it mean? And a few other things pertaining to that. Uh, we'll try and wrap it up about 9.15. If it runs over, um, then we'll just pick it up the next time rather than keep going. Okay, so that's my target. If you can put a clock and help me out a bit, that would help. <laughs> that would help because I can go along. So here, uh, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make path his paths straight. So it says, in those days, John the Baptist. Now, Matthew introduces us to one of the most fascinating characters in the New Testament. Um, all of us know where he came from. He was born to Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, John's birth was miraculous in their old age, um, and you know the story behind his birth. He was a cousin to Jesus. Uh, he was from the Levitical priesthood. Obviously, Zacharias um, was from the Levitical priesthood, and hence John is from the Levitical priesthood. He is the forerunner. He was to be the forerunner of the Messiah, and his appearance was to indicate that Messiah was right behind him. And hence, get ready. And that's why he's called the messenger. In some places, he's called the messenger. Um, let's look at the portion uh, that Matthew is referring to. That is Isaiah 40, uh, 2 to 5. Can someone pick up Isaiah 40, 2 to 5? Um, and while you're picking up Isaiah 40, 2 to 5, uh, if someone can pick up Luke 1, 13 to 17, and also Malachi 3.1. 3.1 and then same person can pick up Malachi 4.1 to 6. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 2 to 5. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. 
The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the portion um, that um, Matthew is referring to Isaiah uh, in the portion about Isaiah uh, at 40. Uh, prepare the way of the Lord. And this is the, um, the, the idea that there was going to be a messenger who would come before the Messiah. Now let's look at this baby that was born and there would be something very unique that you, let's read that. Luke chapter 1 verses 13 to 17. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So here we have, uh, from the, uh, the Gospel of Luke, we have additional details on John the Baptist's birth and what it means and so on. Now notice something very interesting that you see that this baby will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the mother's womb. It's very interesting to see that this is, this is a baby that's filled with the Holy Spirit right out of the mother's womb. Um, so something interesting to note about um, John. Let's read Malachi. Uh, about the forerunner. So Malachi 3, 1, and Malachi 4, 1 to 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now this portion, Malachi 4, 1 to 6, is talking about this Elijah coming again before the awesome day of the Lord. This is a reference to the time when Jesus Christ will come as a judge and king. And it's prior to that that he will send Elijah. But it is very interesting to note that both Matthew and even Christ Jesus uses the same verse 
to refer to John's ministry before Jesus' first coming. So it's interesting that we will see, and we have seen Elijah. Uh, it's been someone to ask Jesus, he says, yes, he's come in the power and the spirit of Elijah. You remember that portion? Uh, we will talk about that in a moment. Just one minute. We'll get there. Uh, Jesus talks about it. Um, and then it refers to him being in the spirit of Elijah. So it's Elijah as if he came again. And then this is also a prophetic word, word about in the future, before his coming again, uh, there would be that before he comes as a judge, there's going to be uh, Elijah, a person in the power and the spirit of Elijah who will come again uh, to remind and to bring people back to their fathers. So it's interesting to see that. Now let's look at what Jesus witnesses about John. Jesus himself talks about John and it's in Matthew 11. Can someone read Matthew 11, 7 to 14? Matthew 11, 7 to 14. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. Interesting. Notice what Jesus says. If you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. Interesting. Notice the two tenses. He is Elijah, meaning he is present, and who is to come, who is also again yet to come. So prophetically, Jesus is saying this one is Elijah, and again, he is to come again. Now, John's, let's look at John's own witness as to who he is. Let's read John 1, 19 to 28. John 1, 19 to 28. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you, that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ? nor Elijah, nor the prophet. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. 
So uh, they come and ask John, who are you? Are you Elijah? And he says, no, I'm not. And so there is this little confusion amongst the people as to who is this guy? But Jesus' statement is this, he has come in the power and the spirit of Elijah. So he's a messenger, uh, he is a forerunner, and he is also uh, come in the power and the spirit of Elijah. Now notice one thing within uh, this portion that Jesus had to say. It says in Jesus' comment, and actually in 13, uh, for all the prophet and the law prophesied until John. Notice that's verse 13. It's until John. Jesus' comment says that for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. Now when we look at scriptures, we see that God has dealt with us over the course of human history in different ways. What do I mean by that? There was a time of prophets in the law, and that is until the time of John. That points to such an, uh, uh, um, an epoch of time when there was prophets and there was the law. And prior to the prophets and the law, there was, before the law was given, there was not a law, but it was written in their hearts. Now you can ask what happened when um, it was creation. They did not have the law. What did they do then? So God dealt with humans in different ways at different times. Now theologians have come up, come along and split these as God's administration of human uh, history. And they call it dispensation. You may have heard of the word dispensation. It's the way that God has dealt with humans in different times. Um, like I said, Adam and Eve fell from grace. There was not a written scriptures. So how did God speak then? He obviously spoke to the people then. There was a time of law that was codified. Uh, and the prophets starting with Moses. And now with John, it is a closing of an epoch of the law and the prophets. Now this would be the last of the prophets that would come along and then after John was going to be a time of grace and so on. So there are many such, you know, if you look at the Bible, you would see that there were many uh, such kinds of times how God dealt with it. Now, while I agree that there were different times, where I part ways from this is uh, when the, uh, the same dispensational view uh, wears off into the deep end and goes into things that are really not scriptural. So I do take issue with some of the dispensational views, uh, but from a point of view, even Jesus talking about this, we see clearly that the time, a season was coming to a close with John. Anyway, back to the portion of what was John's content of his message. His first point that he was making was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John's ministry was one calling the nation to repentance in preparation for the Messiah. Repentance, by the way, is not a feeling. Some say, oh, it's a feeling, but no, it's not a feeling. It's an action word. A John tells his listeners to make a change of mind, make a change in one's life, not merely feel sorry. 
And repentance speaks of a change in direction. You change your mind, renewing of your mind. You remember that when Paul talks about renewing of your mind. Likewise, renewal um, and a change in direction, not just sorrow. Sorrow by itself produces nothing good, but it's the changing uh, of your mind, is uh, changing of your direction, and that is repentance. Now, it's obvious the question is, is repentance essential before coming to God? The answer is obvious. It's yes, repentance is required. An awareness of sin. If you think you're going in the right direction, what is there for you to repent? It's only when you recognize that you're not going in the right direction, then there's a need for us to be aware of sin and that awareness of sin causes us to say, I'm going in the wrong direction. Uh, let me change from where I'm going. Putting desire, uh, you know, of um, a conviction uh, in your heart that I'm going in the wrong direction that causes you to turn and move in a different direction. And that is what repentance is. Repentance by itself has no, uh, by just the feeling of it itself has no value, but the turning is where the value is. Why do I say this? Because it is going to come up again later on in the same scripture. And so he's calling, um, John is calling people to repentance, sinners to repentance. And God's grace grants us that repentance. God forgives. And so God is saying uh, it, when they come to uh, John and they, they repent, there's forgiveness. And so he's coming to that place where he's repenting. People are turning away from their sins. Remember, that was one of the mandates to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers, to make straight the road. Those were the things that John's ministry was all about, to cause the people to turn towards Israel, uh, turn towards their law, towards the righteousness from their, for, uh, from their uh, evil ways. Without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, repent. In Acts 3.19, it says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. In Luke 13, 3, now I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish. So um, those are all things of repentance, pertaining to repentance. Is That is a big deal, a major step in that direction. Um, can you give me an example from scriptures that you are aware of where repentance turns the person around? They recognize their failings and then they turned? Can you give me an example? Yes, Steve, go ahead. Um, obviously, the big one is uh, Jonah at Nineveh. But I have a question for you. Do you believe um, that for us to repent or consider repenting, that there has to, has to be a seed of grace beforehand? In other words, that God gives us the faith to begin to believe or want to believe? Absolutely. There is no, unless okay. we are convicted, there is no reason to repent. <laughs> okay, just checking. Yes. Just checking. <laughs> um, without, uh, without an awareness. And that's why I asked the question, give me an example where they recognized, oh, no, I've screwed up. It's got to be Jonah. Uh, give me I another one. Paul. Paul. And again, Anne said it. 
the prodigal son the prodigal uh the one the prodigal where he recognized um but in his recognition came as a result of poverty sometimes god allows those things into our lives and many times god allows those things into our lives so that we've hit poverty we've we we got an opportunity to assess ourselves to determine you know am i going the right direction what did i do why am i stuck here why am i eating pig food god allows that now the, on the other side satan will not allow that satan will keep giving you luxuries to the end why because his objective is keep you going down the wrong road forever so that you will never come to god sometimes this is this is essential for uh, raising families and for our lives and for the life of our community even for our nation and it is better to experience life in its hardest form so that one might turn from their wicked ways and turn towards god and turn towards righteousness and to do the right thing so god permits that in our lives we know that is the case uh, that god permits those kinds of things um and so uh when someone comes along and sort of takes away that pain then you don't have to repent but god permits those things uh into our lives some of those pains that we receive in our lives are intended for us to turn to recognize to call upon god to look towards heaven and call upon god and so god has many many strategies to get us to look towards heaven uh in the case of the prodigal it was hunger he had, he had everything in his hands was done he had no money and he was here he was a jewish boy uh feeding, uh, feeding pigs and he said you know and he remembered his masters as even the servants ate better than this and so the holy spirit convicted him using worldly things and by the way that's what the holy spirit does is the holy spirit god created the material and the non-material universe and so he uses he can use anything he wants in the case of the prodigal he uses that he used that in our case he may use something else but repentance is required john wanted the people to know that the kingdom of heaven was near as close that is at hand it was in the distant or dreamy future it is right now it's coming right now the kingdom of heaven is coming right now this is why john was so urgent was so urgent in his call for repentance and if the kingdom of god was at hand then we must be ready now and what does he say prepare the way of the lord Matthew uses this from Isaiah 40 chapter uh, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 to identify that John the Baptist had prophesied it in his role John's purpose was to turn the hearts towards the Messiah to bring an awareness to sin so that they could receive salvation uh from the Messiah What a grand entry that John has made. The amazing circumstances of his birth and reference to him as the messenger and Elijah to come in prophecy only add to this intriguing personality who was also related to Jesus. 
The message that he preached about repentance and preparation to salvation was clearly a precursor to approach the Messiah for salvation and redemption. Hope you were blessed by this study, and do join us in the next episode as we read more of his life and ministry.